Welcome everybody to the new Debbie Owners Manual. You might recognize me from Dynasty Owners Manual. I'm Adam Wilde, and I'm joined by the new hosts, uh, Andrew Harbaugh and Dwight Peebles of Dynasty Happy Hour. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you, man? I'm doing good. This is exciting. How about you, Andrew? I'm good as well. Excited as well to see where this goes. All right. So, Andrew, let's start with you. How did you get into Debbie and kind of scouting? I would say the biggest reason uh, I got into Debbie and scouting would be just listening to different podcasts and watching different people on ESPN and NFL Network, people like Daniel Jeremiah, Matt Miller, Mel Kuyper until recently, and then Todd McShay more recently. And then as far as a transition to fantasy with those rookies, my grandfather has been in the Dynasty League for years, and he always had me scout the college players for his rookie drafts because he didn't have time for it, he told me, (laughs) Um, which led to several debates on players, biggest one being Chris Johnson or Lyman Sweden in the draft. So I told him Chris Johnson, so I think that was my first good call. <laughs> That's awesome. And what about you, Dwight? What what got you into the Debbie side of things? Good. I, I heard about that, this Debbie thing on the uh, Dynasty Life podcast, which was the first Dynasty podcast I listened to and thought it was absolutely crazy. But the more I thought about it, it was what a better way to invest in players and to get them while they're in college. Like you could add Saquon Barkley three years ago which is crazy, a crazy thought if you think about oh, yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. And then this offseason was the first one I got into like really scouting my own because I don't, there's so much buzz with the combine and there's so much noise. You scout the players yourself, you can cut through that noise. I mean, you see things that you just don't see. Like the combine is one tiny little piece of the puzzle, but to watch the game and scout the players, it's just it's so much more fun. It makes you feel more invested in everything. And when you hit, it definitely feels better. Sure, when it was your own process, definitely trust but verify. Listen to those uh, big names out there, but do the homework yourself. And also, you're one of the big IDP contributors for Dynasty Happy Hour. What kind of got you into the um, second side of the football that we all tend to forget about? I started an IDP about seven, seven, eight years ago. Um, the first couple of years, it was really bad. I was just drafting names. There wasn't a lot of Devi- or, um, IDP resources. Um, you had to really search for them. I didn't even find Twitter till probably two years ago. IP, IDP guru, and then I started like learning to do more research myself. And I just enjoy watching the whole game. It's just to me, it makes it more fun to watch. Like it's not just the offense is sexy, but the defense is where you put in the work. That's what I think. Right, except for defense doesn't matter, right? It does. Yeah. Be quiet. <laughs> we'll see at the new. We'll see at this next draft, son. <laughs> <laughs> So, Andrew, you mentioned um, Chris Johnson a little bit. Who are some of the other earliest players that you remember scouting? I remember my biggest time I was into the whole scouting process would probably have to be the 2013 class, which is historically bad, especially with the quarterbacks being led by Geno Smith and EJ Manuel. (laughs) I was a senior in high school. And I had an elective. I could do whatever I wanted, and I could turn it into a class for an extra credit. And I went to one of my teachers, and I said, can I do a scouting class? And they go, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm just going to watch football players for 45 minutes every day. And they're like, okay, that's fine. You get all the credits graduate anyway. So that's where I finally I got my first jump into the deep end of it. And I came to the conclusion that, I didn't like Geno Smith or E.J. Manuel, and apparently the NFL came to that conclusion too. So 
Let's bring this into the Debbie aspect of things. Then we've got you guys to start to this whole uh, scouting situation and, you know, why it's so important to dynasty for sure. But then we've also got Debbie. So I understand you're pretty heavily involved in a lot of Debbie leagues. Um, what are some strategies that you deploy, uh, Dwight, and getting ahead in those leagues? Well, it's important when you have the Debbie, when you study that, you realize that there are certain classes that have strengths and weaknesses. And you use that to your advantage. Like, for instance, we know that the one coming up is definitely more loaded in wide receivers, whereas last year was running back. So you kind of know that landscape. You know that in 2020, it's going to be running back heavy. So you can build your team. And if you have to rebuild the team, it's even more critical to know that, you know, you've got these like three or four really good running backs, but you suck at wide receiver. You know that next year, you know, you've got that class coming in, so you can pick up those Debbie players, you know, your A.J. Browns and your D.K. probably might still come out, you know, but you know that, that it's coming up, and when you and you can angle yourself to kind of be ahead of the curve, and you know that if you're hurting and running back, you know that 2020 is coming, and you can acquire those players, you know, next year, this year, and, and kind of position yourself. It just, if you're rebuilding specifically, it definitely helps to know the landscape of the classes and things like that. It just, it, it's, it's like a chess game almost to know that set your Debbie, your Debbie upright. It's, it's, I love it. All right. So let's dig into that a little bit. So let's, let's take Debbie out of it a little bit then. And we're just going to talk dynasty for this section. So if you are rebuilding, let's say we have that two year window, then you're one of the owners that has a two year window and is starting right now. Are you looking to add those 2020 picks then? Like you said, uh, You've, you've got the running back class in 2020, but you have these big wide receivers, the, the Harrys, Metcalf, uh, Brown coming out this next year, but you're really hurting at running back. Are you looking to add a 2020 first in every trade, or is that a situation where you'd employ that strategy? That's, that's what I mean. You use the whole landscape to your advantage. You know that if you've got guys like Devontae Freeman, if he comes back ever, you know, if you've got a guy that's got one or two good years left in him, then you can position yourself to where you're in that spot to gain those 2020 firsts when we're going to have like probably six running backs that are going to be legit RB1s, I think. Um, so you definitely use that to your advantage. It's, it's just you survey the whole landscape and you definitely, it allows you to see ahead of time, you know, and I, that's what I really love about it. It's, it adds a whole different element. So if I'm understanding correctly, let's say that you've got Devonta Freeman right now. You're going to have a little harder of a time getting a 19 first. Of course, he's still worth one. But uh, would you consider instead getting, let's say, uh, something like Duke Johnson in a 2020 first then? So you have a running back that's kind of working right now. Um, and then you've got that 2020 first. Absolutely. That's that's how you use it to your advantage. You do things like that that can position yourself because most people will throw out a 2020 pick like it's nothing. I mean, you can get those pretty easily because you know, most people don't think that far out in the grand scheme of things. And when you're when you're building that roster for that long term depth and yeah, and even then, even if you have that 2020 pick, then next year it's going to be worth more. And then as it gets closer to the draft, it's going to be even worth more. So, yeah, it's just. Definitely. That's, a, that's that's the kind of trade you want to make to be successful using picks in, in advance. Like. Gotcha. So let's bring it back to Debbie a little bit here. So, Andrew, I think we both think that they're kind of crazy for this, but I'll just ask to make sure. Have you scouted anyone in high school yet? 
to me, that just seems ludicrous to go that <laughs> deep into it. But, I mean, if you have enough time and you can get all the way into high school, I mean, it's just so hard because, like, I remember – Matt Barkley, when he committed to USC, Matt Barkley was the next big thing. When Jimmy Clausen went to Notre Dame, he was the next big thing. And both of them now, Jimmy Clausen, I don't think, is with a team. And Barkley is the backup, I think, in Cincinnati. So, I mean, it just so much changes. But that's the beautiful part of Debbie is it at least lets you keep tabs on those guys. People transfer, people get hurt. There's just always something going on. So let's hear your side of it, Dwight. You, uh, you've scouted some high school players, right? Yes, I have. I have a, a very deep 800-player Debbie league, and we were dipping into the high school pool. And it, it's definitely tricky. The game tape is not as big of an issue. You use resources like 24-7 sports. They're absolutely awesome at like ranking those things. You, you know to look at the powerhouse schools like your St. John Bosco, your IMG Academy, Allen, Texas, there's some big schools like that that tend to churn out those the big-time college players, the five stars and stuff. So I've, I've done some. It's definitely tricky. I mean, it, but it's just another tool. It is a little weird, you know, scouting high school kids, you know, <laughs> and especially being just a fantasy football guy. I'm not like a college recruiter. So, you know, it's definitely different. But I have done some of it, yeah. At least you can feel better now that you've got a Debbie podcast so you can say you were doing research for your podcast instead <laughs> exactly. of for your one 800-person league. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so what's what's your favorite high school player you just got? I don't want to – I'm going to butcher his last name. <laughs> He's the quarterback for St. John Bosco. DJ Ugeel – I don't know. U-I-A-G-E-L-E-L-E-I. He's a junior. DJU. Yeah, he's six foot five, two hundred forty pounds. He is a monster, and he's a junior. Did you he's, say he was a, yeah, a junior? He's a junior. <laughs> he hasn't even committed yet. He awesome. Is, I mean, Lane he, Kiffin offered Matt Leinert's eleven-year-old yeah. son a scholarship today. Crazy. So, yep. Oh, that happens all the time. There's no real commitment there, though. I mean, they can do whatever they want. Right. All right. Yeah. So let's talk about the show a little bit here. Let's uh, let's dial it in. So. We'll start with you, Andrew. Just kind of give the listeners a little bit what they can expect from the show and why what they can use this to their advantage for. Uh, so our show, Dynasty Owners Manual, we use a lot of practical application, and we want to send the listeners away with um, resources that they can use. Uh, what kind of things are you offering here at Debbie Owners Manual? I think what you can get from me and Dwight is an enthusiast. I mean, you heard it from Dwight. He's going all the way down to high school, so he's obviously enthusiastic about it. Um, I'm very enthusiastic about it on the college level. So I think together with the two of us and him being an IDP guy and me being a more offensive guy while also being enthusiastic about the product you'll hear, you'll have to come to your own conclusions, but we'll at least walk you down the yellow brick, ro- yellow brick road as close to Oz as we can, and it's up to you to get what you want out of them. I love it. What about you, Dwight? I think we're going to bring a little bit of everything to it. Um, there's some shows like Saturday to Sunday and the Debbie watch that give great knowledge on the players and stuff, but I don't feel like their practical application is quite as good. And I hope we can help with that. You know, we can, we can go over the players, some of the names you need to know, but I hope that we can help like the dynasty owners manual, help you use it to your advantage to, you know, even if you don't play Debbie, use the Debbie to learn more about the pro game 
And that's even that's just a, a good tool to have. Even if you just listen to us and hear us talking about Dwayne Haskins, you know, and then you see that name pop up in the draft next year and you know, hey, you know, it clicks. So we're hoping we can help you use that knowledge to be a better dynasty football. Right. And similar to dynasty owners manual, what we do over there. It's just that there's so many great uh, podcasts out there. You can pretty much throw a dart at a dartboard and you're going to find a great podcast that's telling you what to do right now. And that's amazing. All we do differently that we're going to do differently on Debbie owners manual and that we do differently at dynasty owners manual is that we use the players in their current standing to help you understand how to identify these situations in the future. So hopefully with this show, you two are bringing in the strategy side of things, uh, both Debbie and Dynasty, where uh, you're telling our listeners, uh, how did you find these players? You know, why, why do we know that Metcalf is amazing? Uh, unfortunately, he got injured. But, you know, that's really what I I look forward to getting out of this show. So, Dwight, let's talk about the draft a little bit because – that's going to be the hottest topic. Unfortunately for us, it's not too offensive heavy. What are you looking at at the defense side of the ball coming out? Anything crazy that we need to watch for? No, it's just going to be very deep. I've seen the mock drafts showing anywhere from 15 to 20 defensive players going in the first round, Wow! which is, I mean, then you add in a couple offensive linemen, you're looking at only, you know, six or seven offensive skill set players that are going into the draft. And it's, it's a time when I feel like the N- the NFL needs an infusion of talent. As long as they can teach these guys how to fall on the quarterback right, you know, they'll be all right. But but there's just the defensive line is is silly. I mean, everybody's heard about, you know, the Clellan Farrells, the Jeffrey Simmons, you know, there's just so many of them. Dexter Lawrence, Ed Oliver, Nick Bosa. There's just tons and tons of defensive linemen. I mean, definitely create pressure and make the lines better, which makes – Every aspect of a defense better. So the IDP guy, it definitely has got me, you know, salivating a little bit. There's a, it's exciting, man. Sure. And what's great about uh, you knowing so much about the the defensive side of the ball is when we start breaking down these offensive players, it's really going to matter what matchups these players succeeded in. I mean, we don't really care if AJ Brown went off against Towson, I guess you know. But right. if you can identify these matchups that these players really dominated in, and really say, okay, that was an NFL level talent, that was a first round caliber corner that he was matched up with against all game, that makes a big difference. But on the flip side of the ball, Andrew, there are some diamonds in the rough here too. What are some of the guys that you're looking at on the offensive side of the ball coming out? Real quick to touch on Dwight's point not having sacks cut for IDP. Just throw my two cents and something to think about. Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney, both number one picks, both difference makers for their team's defenses, combined their last years in college had 11 and a half sacks combined. Wow. So while they it may not seem like a lot then, you're seeing it now transi- um, transitioning over. As far as potential diamonds on the offensive side, you got a really dig full to find a couple, I would say, this year. I mean, but every year there's always a couple that you don't expect but come draft time, and situation plays a part of that too. I'd probably say the two biggest ones that I'm high on is the running back out of Iowa State, David Montgomery, and Noah Fant, from tight end from Iowa. Now, Rodney Anderson, the running back from Oklahoma, and DK Metcalf from Ole Miss, they're both injured. If they decide to come out this year because it's going to be a little bit of a weaker offense, 
their draft, just their draft stock, they could still potentially be for picks. I think if they declare, then they would get qualified into that as well. If they decide to stay and go back to school, then it's still something we could talk about. But I'd probably say Montgomery and Fan are the two that I expect to come out and are going to be producers. All right, so we talked about 2020 being super deep at running back. We already know that 2019 has been considered deep at wide receiver by many. Do you two agree with that? Is 2019 going to be a, an extremely deep wide receiver class? It's, I mean, not ex- maybe not extremely deep, but definitely a lot deeper than wide than running back and quarterback. Twenty fourteen I mean, deep? No, I don't know. What you're trying to <laughs> yeah, there. I think we'll, there'll we'll, be. A, we'll hold off on that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. I I do think the tight ends aren't getting as much love as they should. I, I think their defensive ends with sacks not being a sexy stat. A lot of these tight ends are only getting. 12 to 15 catches so far this year just because they aren't being utilized in the college offenses as much. But like I said, you got Noah Fant from Iowa, Dawson Knox from Ole Miss, Albert O from Missouri, number 81. Caden Smith from Stanford had a really good game this past week, I believe. It's just about figuring out and looking through and watching these players, they start to stick out a little bit more. And Albert O in Missouri, I was watching Drew Locke when I noticed him wasn't as with Locke as I was with him. So, I mean, you're going to find that too. You're going to be looking at another player, but you'll see someone else pop up on stop. Awesome. So, do you guys think that Jadavion Clowney goes first overall if it weren't for that huge hit? <laughs> that was something that came to mind when, <laughs> when you mentioned those first overalls. I'm thinking they only had 11 sacks. Oh, maybe that hit really did have something to do with that. And Dwight's all about <laughs> high school. Clowney was their number one that year out of high school so he's talked about all the way back then so (laughs) all right all right sorry for the rant let's get into the news so i'll i'll hit the highlight uh of the news and then we'll we'll just have open discussion about these these three big topics so we have the dk metcalf injury that's extremely unfortunate uh seemed to have been uh, rising up you debbie guys board uh, we have Malik Rozier named starter for the U, and then we also have Bosa leaving. I can't wait to talk about that one. Get to you, Andrew, first. What would you like to touch on on the news of late? As far as the Metcalf injury goes, something I didn't even think about until I was listening to Stick to Football this morning with Connor Rogers and Matt Miller. Sometimes players, and they didn't, they just they didn't speculate. They just said sometimes players do this where they realize, hey, I'm going to play, so I'm not going to go to class. Next year, they become academically ineligible. I'm not saying Metcalf did that necessarily, but that could be a situation where he's forced to go to school. Also, too, you don't know how home situations are and family goes. Sometimes these players are playing for more than themselves, and they have to declare anyway because of that. I mean, I think Metcalf probably still declares just because that potentially – he could be the number one wide receiver still even with that injury, but he could pull a Mike Williams like a couple of years ago when he was at Clemson, uh, hurt his neck off the goalpost the first game of the year. He came back. Either way, his draft stock doesn't really get affected for me. All right, and what about you, Dwight, on the news and notes? Obviously, the Nick Bosa thing is is pretty – the ripples that it's going to put through the community I've already seen. I watched some sports TV today, and, I mean, ESPN had – they were talking about it for at least a half an hour just – you know, a lot of people don't agree with that, but I don't understand. I mean, I, I definitely see why he did it and why he just said, I'm done. I'm leaving. I'm not even going to try. You know, I'm declaring it makes sense for him from a standpoint. And it's, but I think it's going to, 
caused some ripples in the community and definitely some people don't agree with it, but I, I can see more players following this path and it's got the potential to shake up college football pretty bad. Yeah. I'm going to try not to go on a rant here, but I can't understand how any logical person could disagree with what Nick Bosa did. Uh, he already got what he wanted out of the NCAA and the NCAA already got plenty out of him. So, uh, it would make absolutely no sense for him to keep trying to fight through an injury when he's going to go probably in the first round of the draft next year. That would just be unbelievable. I can't understand how anybody could think this uh, man need, owes more to this school uh, as much money as he's already made them. But whatever, I guess I'm just a guy. We're coming up on uh, some big games this weekend. This is October 17th. We're recording this, so the coming weekend. Um, what are some of the games that you will not miss this weekend? Dwight, I feel like you're going to be a little bit more impassioned, so I'll let you go first. Since it touches <laughs> close to I'm seething, man. I'm seething. Michigan <laughs> versus Michigan State up here, baby. It's Michigan State's biggest game of the year, so it's always the, the rivalry, the hate, the – yeah, like my timeline on Facebook is just flooded right now with, you know, people holding up a beaten up Wolverine or a battered <laughs> Spartan bloody, you know, it's just, it's, oh, it's my favorite time. And I, I always have to work every Saturday night for this. And I always end up kind of having to, to pick it up the pieces as it goes. But yeah, I'm really excited to see how Michigan's offense does this year. They seem to have really hit their stride. I mean, they annihilated Wisconsin. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that rushing defense or rushing offense goes up against MSU's rushing defense, which is one of the best in the country. So it's just it's going to be yeah, it's always a bloodbath. It doesn't matter if one team's nine and zero and the other's zero and nine. There, it's always a good game. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, and I mean it's big too for Jim Harbaugh. He hasn't beat Michigan. Yes, that is very true. <laughs> and so, another, I mean, us Harbaugh has got his stick together for that. Right. Another one I'm looking forward to is Mississippi State and LSU. I'd like to see what Kylan Hill does. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, he has been a little hit and miss this season, but I'm curious to see how he does against that LSU defense. I definitely want to catch that game as well. And what about you, Andrew? Who are you looking forward to? As, for, as for me, I would probably say the one I'm most excited about is NC State and Clemson. Um, Ryan Finley, quarterback for NC State, is one of my top prospects coming into the year. Some people had him as the QB one ahead of Herbert, even. Uh, but he's had a so-so year, and he's also just like we talked about. Harbaugh hasn't beat Michigan State. Finley hasn't beat Clemson in the two attempts he's had. He's zero for two. Um, he also doesn't have very impressive stats, but on tape, he looks a little bit better than what he's putting on the box score. I think if he comes out and has a strong showing and he has a big win against the number three team in the country, then he could see his stock jump up as well. Because especially with Herbert playing this weekend against a big game in Washington State, they're going to be going against each other essentially in the draft stocks, I think. Plus, having that Clemson defense you're going against would speak volumes as well because you have a whole defensive line that could be first-round picks. That's massive. That matchup is huge. So let's stick with you, Andrew. Who are some of the players that are in big-time matchups this weekend you either want to see perform well or bounce back? I want to see, with the potential of the Metcalf injury, keeping him in school and potential teams being scared just because of that four-letter word, neck. I want to see what A. Brown can do, his teammate, who's been all over social media supporting him and saying he's going to carry the load for the team. I want to see what 
J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from Stanford can do. He's been a touchdown magnet this year, being a big red zone target. And I want to see what Nkeel Harry can do. I want to be able to separate a little bit better from players. I want to see him put out a good showing this weekend as well. I think the whole receiving class needs to have a good weekend to keep the momentum going with the way people have been talking about him. Yeah, let's talk about Nikhil Harry for a second because for a long time he was the 101 projected, which obviously that changes quite often. It didn't last year. Uh, Saquon Barkley never, ever moved from the 101 spot. But oftentimes you do see the 101 shift. Think um, Ezekiel Elliott jumping over Lacan Treadwell, thank goodness. Uh, what's you guys' thoughts <laughs> on Nikhil Harry? Is he already out of that 101 spot for both of you? I think he is for he is for me, but I, I think this this hair is a splitting hairs between him and AJ Brown. I think it'll depend on the situation because as you've seen, you can end up on the Titans. You know, Corey Davis is an awesome player, just mm-hmm. a bad system, bad team. You know, like not a bad team, but a bad system. So I think if AJ Brown and to me AJ Brown and Nikhil Harry are so close, like as overall talent, and it's going to depend a lot on the landing spot for me. Yeah, I think landing spot speaks volumes about what a player's chances and development can lead to. Because like you mentioned, Corey Davis, I think if he was in, say, Green Bay, where Aaron Rodgers is going to be tossing him the ball, he's obviously going to develop a lot quicker. But he's in a system where it's this smash mouth with Mike Vrabel right now and Marcus Mariota, who's not looking very good. But I think as far as looking at 101, I think Harry can get it. I think it all just depends on if Metcalf declares. I mean, if Metcalf declares for me, he's still my top target, regardless of where he goes. I think he'll be able to produce. Well, good, because I'm looking to get a trade done for Nikhil Harry, so hopefully that works out. The last thing we want to touch on is going to do a little bit of projecting towards this weekend, and we kind of want to see what storyline will be talked about next week. So next show, uh, what will we be dying to talk about? We'll go ahead and start with you, Dwight. Really hoping that we talk more about Herbert next week. I think he's he's a guy who's pretty much considered the number one overall quarterback, but I want to see him do a little more. He's He's been, to me, his statistics have not been that great this year, and I think he's got a chance in a, a huge game on TV, and he, he's, he's got to do it for me. I'd like to see him 390-yard, four-touchdown game and just really, really show what he's got. Because he is, you know, it's between him and Finley and a lot of people like Will Greer. And, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see what he does. And I I do think, as much as this pains me to say, I do think Michigan's going to take a step forward this week. And they're hopefully offense is going <laughs> to – I don't. I hate saying this. It hurts. <laughs> it, it hurts. Man, it hurts. But, yeah, I do think Michigan is going to finally shake that monkey off their back and get Harbaugh's first win. Now, do you think Herbert's Uh, been well-rounded enough to be the 101 in the draft next year, uh, uh, assuming there's a QB-needy team, or is a QB-needy team probably trading back for one of those guys like Nick Bosa to go 101? No, I think think he is. He's done enough, but I I just – I haven't seen much of a statement game this year you know, that I'd like to see from him. He's he's a very solid quarterback. He's got really good touch and anticipation, things like that. A lot of tools that work right. I just want to see him just light up somebody. You know, sure. I'd like to see that killer instinct, you know. Because that's what I think separates a lot of the good ones from the great ones. You know, the sure, like, set- like Baker. And yeah, yeah, sure. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So I love we Baker. I'm we just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, 
I'm all about Baker. All right, so Andrew, uh, what are you looking looking to talk about next week? Hoping that happens this weekend. Keep the madness rolling. Football <laughs> after all the last weekend. I think NC State and the Wolfpack and Ryan Finley will be able to knock off Clemson, and I think everyone will be talking about who's going to be the new team to replace them in the college football playoff come Monday. I do think Finley should – it's the third time he's seen. It's kind of like baseball now. You see pitchers go in five innings because they don't want the batting order to see him a third time because usually you can get him figured out by then. I think that's what's going to happen this weekend with NC State and Finley. So I'm interested to watch that. I could be completely wrong, and Farrell and Lawrence could go full Ezekiel Elliott and eat him up all game. So it's going to be fun to watch either way. Like he mentioned, Michigan State, Michigan. I always enjoy watching the rivalry games. So it'll be another fun weekend. On paper, it doesn't look very good, but if you look at prospects and matchups and stuff like that, there's a lot to look forward to. Yeah, and those playoffs seedings matter to us because it's uh, more opportunity to see players that we want to see. So uh, if you don't have any standings in uh, the college um, playoffs and you just want to root for a team, find the prospects that you want to see more of and cheer for them to get into the playoffs because that's what I'll be doing. I mean, you'll still get bowl games here and there, but uh, I'd rather see two extra games out of the players that I want to see. Hey, we did have one one question already, actually, if I could bring that up real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, bring it up. Yeah, we got a question that came in from Sean Robertson at Eagles for Life. He's actually in, in at least one league with him, the World War Football League. He asked, he's a first-year W player. He's curious our thoughts on how you properly value W players in trade talks with owners, i.e. unknown speculative assets via a known asset. I feel like this is something we're going to come up on in probably every episode a little bit. So it's kind of a broad question on how you value the Debbie players. And we did talk about it a little bit already with you when you talked about your trading. But it's and it's it's really hard to say. Andrew, do you think it's probably every league is different depending on your Debbie pool and things like that as to how yeah, valuable and I they think are? It, I think it matters on how your team looks too because like this receiving class – looks really good. So if you're tighter, if you're loaded at receiver, then you may see those picks as a little bit more loosey goosey. But like, as you were mentioning, targeting 2020 picks, I'm in a league where I'm very weak at running back. So I've accumulated three 2020 picks in preparation for that. So I could refill that position. I think it just, you have to look at how your team is and you got to know your team, right? I mean, if you're looking at it every week, setting it, you know the target and what you want to go after. And it's honestly, I mean, you can think that we can say is A.J. Brown is the top receiver or D.K. Metcalf is the top receiver, but the bottom line is nobody's a sure lock either. Mm-hmm. So we can't we can't trade them as if they're Antonio Brown, even though we may think they're going to be. You know, so it's, it's definitely tricky. you got to find that right balance in there, and it depends on the depth of your Debbie pool, the construction of your team and all that. And it's definitely something we'll talk about in – probably almost every episode. So. And keep in mind that, uh, I mean, the rookie drafts are just, um, it's onslaught, really. I mean, we're going to do our absolute best, but you're still going to have crazy stuff happen. Um, I mean, my favorite one was I got Jarvis Landry in the middle of the second uh, when they came out in 2014. Uh, it, it just happens. So you talked about the uh, – 
you you want him to be Antonio Brown, but you just never know. Uh, but speaking of Antonio Brown, I might be able to help this listener out a little bit with the trade that you were helping me through, and I don't think that the other owner is going to end up accepting it. But we were at least talking back and forth, and I'm not a big Debbie guy. You know, I'm just here so I don't get fined. But um, I <laughs> I ask you and I ask other smart people my Debbie questions. So I in my only league that I've decided – I'm actually going to rebuild because I'm extremely bullish on rebuilding. I've got Antonio Brown and a contender's interested in Antonio Brown. So I've asked them for Calvin Ridley, Nikhil Harry and Royce Freeman. Um, so if you're, you're asking about trading for, uh, for Devi assets, well, it's really, you can't say I'm trading for next year's one one because by next year, Nikhil Harry could be the one Oh five. But you have to go look at that player and stop associating a pick to him because it's Debbie depleted, which means that the picks are gone. So essentially, you would say that the first round is pretty much already taken, right, Dwight? That's what Debbie depleted would mean to you? Typically, yeah. I mean, there's always one that slips through the cracks. I mean, Baker Mayfield slipped through a lot of cracks last year, actually. And so there's always one that does. Sure. So if it's Debbie depleted, um, you, you can't really associate those Debbie players with picks. So I can't say I'm trading Antonio Brown for next year's 101 and Calvin Ridley and Royce Freeman. I just have to look at Nikhil Harry and say, am I trading Antonio Brown for a good player? Do I believe in Nikhil Harry? And that's probably the best advice to you is that uh, it really depends. Do you believe in the player? Because you have to really put – you have to go all in when you're trading for Debbie stock. Correct. All right, guys. Well, great first show. I had a lot of fun. I hope that the listeners do as well. We look forward to interacting with you on Twitter. Again, I'm Adam Wildey, host of Dynasty Owners Manual, and uh, you can find me at DHH underscore Adam. Uh, Andrew, could you go ahead and let the listeners know where they can find you and some of the stuff you're working on? Yeah, no, I have a Debbie Radar article that comes out every single week on Dynasty Happy Hour on there with cool players to watch for the weekend to kind of give you a guide and then make your own assumptions on players. My Twitter handle is at DHH underscore Mandrew. I'm always on not more than my wife wants me to be, so you can always find me on there. And if you have questions, send them in. We want to be as interactive with you guys as possible because this is for you, the fantasy players. We want to help you succeed. So that's all I have to add with that. I'll let you go, Dwight, now. You can find me on Twitter at FFPeeblesChamp. That's spelled P-E-E-B-L-E-S. Like the store, if you have one of those around you. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, you can find my work on Dynasty Happy Hour, Fantasy Authority. I uh, mainly write about IDP. Um, every once in a while, I venture off on some crazy tangent. but And I just I love talking to people on Twitter. And hit me up if you have any questions. And when we say write in, you can actually email at Devi Owners Manual on Gmail, or you can just DM any of the three of us. And we really appreciate you listening. See you next time. 